Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining our podcast. This is Cindy Carter and Carmela Toller bringing to you Good Life Conversation, exploring social role valorization and life-wasting prevention for people with disabilities. These conversations are for everyone. Maybe you have a disability, care for someone with a disability, or you are just curious about how people with disabilities are devalued every day right before your eyes. We can explore these topics and others during the Good Life Podcast. Hello, my name is Cindy Carter. My name is Carmela Toller. And this is Good Life Conversations. We are here to have conversations about social role valorization, but we are going to be talking about people that are devalued in society and how all of us can change people's life stories. Yeah, this is uh, very exciting for Cindy and I. We have known each other and worked together for over 30 years. And the fortunate thing about our relationship is that we came together and we quickly understood that our work at the time, and this goes back to the early 90s, we were serving individuals who had developmental and intellectual disabilities we were able to be influenced by some very good people who had a great understanding of some of the trials and tribulations that we attribute to people in our world on a very global level. Kind of to start talking about this, we are here in the state of Indiana, and in Indianapolis in particular, we had the Central State Hospital, often called the Seven Steeples. And back in the early 90s, they decided to close that institution, as well as closing the Long Island Developmental Center when we were in New York, uh, as well as closing... Willowbrook is one that many people know. Big time. Because of Geraldo Rivera. Yeah, and and his expose. Yes. That institutional experience was not just in that building. Right. It was in all institutions. The life-wasting, people not being dressed, Mm -hmm. not being cared for. Because they had been in these buildings, only the people that were in the building knew what the experience was. Right. The rest of us just saw the building. We had no idea what was going on inside of that building, nor would there be visitors to a building. It wasn't encouraged. Some family members didn't even know that their child that they had sent to the building or to these institutional settings was still alive. Even, you know, because they were said, put them here, you can't take care of them. They'll be taken care of much better by these trained individuals who- Professionals, right? Professionals, yes. We know what's best. Yes. We know how to care for your family member better than anyone else. And if we think back decades, right? We think back that that was the only choice. The doctor would tell mom and dad that Either you care for this for your family member in your home with no supports, there was no waiver, there were no um, first steps programs, right. <laughs> nothing. Right. You go home and you care for your family member or, and this is where they would really lean to, is the professionals will take care of them in this building and they'll have the best doctors and the best therapists. And I know it was a challenging decision for any parent to make. But the doctor, you know, who we esteem right. as the professional was telling me, you can't do this. You can't do it. And you'd have to go alone as well. well. 
And as the 60s rolled through into the 70s, women uh, became a larger and larger part of the workforce. So they weren't able to stay at home. They needed to earn income to take care of the other family members and, and, and children that were in the family. So it seemed very appropriate. It's no blame, but it seemed very appropriate that they send the person who had challenges much more difficult to care for to an institution as you said, Cindy, the professional, giving rise to the institutions and they've been giving fall to the institutions. Mindset and behavior still exist. And that's, you know, that's part of the good life conversation is the mindset. If I can connect to this person on a personal level, if I understand I have more in common with you than I have different, that changes the relationship. If I believe I am the professional, <laughs> and I know it's best for you, and uh, I'm going to tell you what you need to do in your life. That's a different conversation with a person versus me saying, let me get to know you. Let me see how I can help you have that good life. What is good life for you? Because we each have our own good life. Yours might be a house with a pool, or mine <laughs> might be a house on the beach, or Every one of us, somebody might want a motorhome, right, you know, just right, travel right. around. I can't make that decision for you. I shouldn't make that, that decision, decision for you. Right. But so many people unconsciously in the field make those decisions. I know what's best mm -hmm. and I need to protect your health. Not let's have you have a great life and a great life experience. Right. I need to protect you from risk. Right. And you're a patient. I've even heard people call people patients. patients. And I have even seen staff working in homes. So a home setting, you know, maybe three, four people living together, or maybe it's eight people living together. They're wearing scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> Tending to their patients. Yes. I'm wearing my scrubs. I got my stethoscope around my neck so I can do vitals at any moment. Right. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. So we, we bring this and we try to have a little humor with it because it is very laden and it has been very laden on us for many years. And we have worked together uh, very hard and very diligent, not that we couldn't do more, but to try to help some of the people we work with overcome these challenges to be seen as human, to be seen as people. And in our work over the years, we've had a lot of successes and would like to have more. But as two people, as there are many others that are also well-versed in, and are mentors in, in social role valorization, Dr. Wolfensberg, uh, Joe Osborne, Joe Mazzarelli, Susan Thomas, just to name a few of those that are the major authors and forerunners in this training that was once called normalization and then was coined as social role valorization. But it gave us a foundation for our work. And so we would like to share that with you. So maybe we can help each other look at what our foundation is today and realizing that some changes must occur. There must be an urgency in the people's lives that we serve as a whole everyone in society who is looked down upon. We've all rolled our eyes at, we've right. all stared, we've all said maybe I'm better than, or I've got this, or I've done that. We've all had values on things that are not to be valued uh, any more than a person's lives. We, we've all done those things. We've all been a part of that unconscious behavior that only hurts the people 
who are lowest on the totem pole, and that's people with developmental disabilities and intellectual disabilities. Social role valorization, or as it was previously called, normalization. I think normalization, easier concept, obviously to say, and then also to think about, but the evolution to social role valorization. So normalization is that everyone wants the same things in life, right. the good things in life. Mm -hmm. I want a home, I want relationships, right. I want to make my own choices, who's in my life and what I do during my day, regardless whether I have a disability or I'm homeless or I have mental health challenges, all of us still want the same thing. And we Society. need it. Maslow's hierarchy Absolutely. of needs dictates that we need the sense of togetherness, sense of belonging, basic air, food, drink, and Security, safety. Security and safety, all of that. And self-awareness, yeah. right? I would discover who I am and what do I want out of life. We don't ever get to that if we're so focused in on caretaking. No, the goal is not to take care of that person. The goal is for that person to take care of themselves. We want them to do that. And, you know, it's like going grocery shopping. If I go grocery shopping for you, you don't have any choice. Right. <laughs> you're going to get the peanut butter I pick out, and you're not going to get the kind of drinks that you want. I'm making all those choices for you. But if you're going, you're deciding, and you're also understanding, I don't, where does my money go? You know, I can get the uh, processed food. I can go to the deli and, and get the, you know, all the meals that are already made. Or I can get the sack of potatoes right. and learn how to cook that instead of going to McDonald's every day and getting the French fries, which costs three dollars right. for right. a large right. fry. Right, <laughs> that, that adds up, especially if you're on a limited income. Social role valorization is really looking at developing social valued roles. What does society see as a valued role? The more valued roles you have, the more positively that you're perceived by society. Right. Right. And the impact that that can have on someone's life, we've seen it, right? That's right. We've seen that's it. it. Yeah, that's what's so exciting is we are able to uh, come together and, and bring a composite of all these experiences and bring that to you to think about things maybe a little bit different. Maybe we could do more. All together different. Mm -hmm and really have an impact. And we talk about this all the time. So Cindy and I work right now for and with the provider that so fun, so great, yes. that we focus heavily on the family's role. We engage the family, we seek out the family so that they can be a part of what we are doing intentionally and what they may not have had in their lives, especially those who were institutionalized for most of their life. This is an exchange of stories and subject matter that will help make us think clearer about ways that we can help to improve the lives and just to kind of make us look back on and think about some of the ways that the families were made to think. And if they were made to think in ways that aren't good, that don't lead to a good life, you can just imagine. Right, and family is not just biological family. Right. Your family could be your friends. Your family could be your neighbors. It could, it's your community. But we have to be intentional about relationships. Yes. Because no one wants to live in isolation. No one wants to only have paid staff around them. The good life conversations are really the storytelling, like you're saying, mm -hmm. and then our 75 years right. of experience Various between together. the yes. two of us. And then we'll also talk about the, the really the heartache 
of when it doesn't happen mm -hmm. and how people's lives are wasted mm -hmm. and how choices are taken away. We have to look at that. We have to talk about it mm -hmm. if we want it to change. Right. And a lot of it's not out of malice. It's out of, that's all I know. You know, I've always done all this for him or her. You know, I feel that's my role. If you were hired and you were asked to work with someone who has a disability and they would present it to you as you have six patients, you have five patients, and they have spina bifida, and they lie a lot. Uh, they are, have behaviors, <laughs> whatever those are. And, and they're going to do this and they're gonna require a lot of your time and you're gonna to have to take them to the hospital. And they- You better are, lock up your purse. Right. Because they're gonna steal They're gonna steal, right. All of these things. Negative, negative. That negative. you were taught and that you were there to take care of them and to stop the behavior. And that's what you go to work and that's who you look forward to seeing every day. I don't know if you would look forward to seeing someone like right, right? No, you wouldn't. You, you dread wouldn't. it. You would be yes. like, oh, I've oh got to get through this shift and mm -hmm. I got to make sure they don't fight mm -hmm. and I've got to take care of them. That's the mindset. Right, right. But that is the mindset of some people in this field. It is. And that, that the diagnoses, right. where they are this. They are Down syndrome, you know, not even the person thing. Right. You're going to be working with a Down syndrome. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a traumatic brain yeah, injury. Yeah. What's his name? You're, who is he? You're on the blind wing. You'll yes. be working in the house with the individuals who are deaf. No names. No, and that everybody's the same. So if somebody's deaf, they have no personality, they have no preferences, they have no ability to make decisions. You know, what? what is their ability to make informed decisions? Mm -hmm. You just need to know they're deaf. So this is starts off today kind of as an overview of what we'll be talking about and diving into because it is crucial particularly in our society today where we know there's a shortage on people to take care of them. But if by now they could take care of themselves, they would need less people. We would need less people and maybe we wouldn't be in this crisis. And we say this not to walk away and just say, hey, you don't need to be taken care of. We say this from our experience where we have seen people who have needed care with them 24 hours a day where they only need care five hours a week. Because when we came to work, we decided to work with them as human beings and to understand what their needs are and understand what their wants are and understand what their likes are. And when we put that all together, we were able to help them become the person they've always wanted to become. And they didn't need us. So they didn't require the same supports that they required six months earlier. This is really what can happen. It has happened over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So if we truly see loneliness is the true disability, then that changes your focus, like you're saying, to relationships. Right. So I don't need a paid staff to make sure my alarm goes off. Same at work. We are all interdependent at work, mm -hmm. regardless if you have a disability or not. We recognize we have more in common 
then we have different. Then it's no different than, oh, this person helps me at work with this, or that person at work helps right. me with this. That's your family. That's your work family. So you're working on each other's strengths, and you're helping each other with what you need help with and what they need help with. It just spells success when you've got friendships, you've got relationships that can help you in your everyday life. And that's the same with us. That's what gives us success is when we have those relationships that that can build on our competencies mm -hmm. and can help us have that good life. So we'll be having guests in the studio with us. Uh, Carmel and I will always be your host. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we hope you listen and share this information with people that are in your life whether they're in the field of um, supporting people with disabilities, people that are actually receiving services, mm -hmm. but all of us can make a change. You know, maybe you don't know anybody with a disability, but maybe the, you're listening to this podcast for a reason. Maybe you are that new friend, mm -hmm. or maybe you're gonna give them a job opportunity because you're an employer and you can. You can impact someone's life. So we look forward to our next podcast with you. So just stay tuned and um, we look forward to hearing from you. Yes, please contact us with any comments or if you would like to be a guest speaker with us, please let us know. Thank you for joining the Good Life Conversation podcast. For additional information about today's topic, contact Carmela or Cindy at goodlife at lelhs dot com. The, the conversation, conversation for a good life for all starts with you.